Zach Servideo here from Boston Speaks Up, and I'm really honored to be sitting here today with Brendan Ryan from Hub Week. Hey, Brendan, how are you? I'm great, Zach. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, and from the brief wrap we just had before we went live, I can see we both see eye to eye on the many beautiful things in Boston and also sort of perhaps the underappreciation of things in Boston. I think so. I think we have some opinions about it. Yeah, so, I think uh, we yeah. have some opinions about it too. Um, before and before we kind of dive into that, like I'd love, I'd love to know, I mean, one of the things I, one of the reasons I'm doing Boston Speaks Up and I'm careful when I say I, because I want it to be a we thing. I, I have, I have found an inability to get to know the people and players in the Boston community that are really working their asses off to create change from, from a digital discovery standpoint. Like I tried to find Brendan Ryan podcast. Like, have you been on a podcast? Like I was trying to find you, your voice and maybe it exists. I didn't, I didn't find it, but what, what, if anything, what, what Boston speaks up is and why I think it's a really unique, there's a unique opportunity to collaborate with hub week. If, if anything, it can simply be an archive of the conversations with the the real people that care about the city, that are doing creative things in the city, that are just you know, cool, inspiring figures, and for this generation, but also generations from now, so that we don't repeat the same mistakes and we actually grow and evolve. So that's sort of the mind. That's the that's the ethos of Boston Speaks Up, which I believe is aligned with the ethos of of Hub Week. That Hub Week we talk all the time. We're we're about Telling the story and changing the narrative exactly of, of what's really going on in the city and it's about the people here who are doing amazing things and uh, we we're a weird civic uh, place in that we have a lot of pride in being from Boston and of Boston for sure uh, but we don't always tell our stories very well there's this thing in Boston right about you're not supposed to stick your own head up or brag too much and I think we maybe internalize that a little bit too much so we are always at Hub Week trying to find ways to do that and give people platform and voice and just share it because there's so much power in that. So I appreciate you doing this and I'm not sure that I have as much to offer this as some of your other guests, but I look forward to having a good conversation with you. No, I really appreciate that. Well, I think given the platform that is Hub Week coming off of this, there's there's probably some really cool collaborative storytelling that we, we can do. So sort of before we get into to Hub Week, I want to sort of backtrack a little bit into into just where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up outside of Boston. I grew up in Foxborough, Mass. Which, uh, everyone knows is the home of the Patriots, but it's really just a tiny little town where everybody knows each other that happens to have a stadium out on the edge of town. Uh, but it's really uh, a really good place. My my best friends to this day are the kids I went to kindergarten and first grade with. So it's uh, definitely a Bostonian type of place in that sense. But I grew up there and I went away for college and I'm one of four children, and if you had taken uh, bets uh, in my youth of which of my parents' four children would never end up in Boston, I was the runaway winner, and now here we are all these years later, and I'm the only one who still lives in the Boston area, because life is funny like that. So I I went off to college in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt, and I came back after I graduated. I worked for John Kerry's presidential campaign in 2004, and uh, unfortunately we lost, and I was going to be a reporter. I was on my way to New York or D.C., I got a job uh, at the Gardner News in Gardner, Massachusetts, okay. a small city in North Central Mass. And uh, so I was get this job here and start getting some stories published, but I'm, I'm going to New York or D.C. because that's where the media world is at. 
And uh, just after I started, I met this guy named Deval Patrick, who was thinking about running for governor. And uh, now it's 14 years later, and I live in Boston. I never made it to New York or D.C., so I've, I was from here, and I, I never thought I was going to stay here, and life is funny, and now uh, this has been my home, and this will be my home for the foreseeable future. That's amazing. So, so when you met Deval Patrick, was it before he even was had sniffed the a governor's race. It was uh, it was in March of 2005, so that was almost two years before the election. He had uh, it's funny there had just been a story about him in the Boston Globe that he was thinking about running for governor, and I remember reading that story, thinking this guy is really interesting, really compelling. No way he's going to win because we're Democrats. We're going to screw this up like he we're, we're over there ourselves. And about a week after that story came out, I got an email from a, a friend of mine, a, a guy I had done some work for, who said. Hey, my friend Duvall is thinking about running for governor, and they're looking for some people. If you're interested, email this woman. So I email someone. I get invited to a group job interview on a Sunday morning. Uh, I walk into the basement at 1 Milk Street in Boston. I remember this so clearly. Probably about 15 or 16 people in the room. Uh, and 12 years later, half of them were invited to my wedding. So it turns out that oh, really important amazing. people in my life, uh, I didn't know at the time, but walked in and he hadn't announced he was going to run for governor. No one was even thinking about the gubernatorial campaign almost two years away. And we did some group interviews with a fundraising consultant and then Duvall came in and he starts talking to all of us and about four minutes in, I've been, I'm, I'm accepting whatever job they offer me. He's yeah. just I'm like, I'm, in, I'm all in on this. This is, this is the place to be. Um, and so I started working for him then and we announced the campaign, the official campaign about a month later. And uh, it was about 20 months of just nonstop all day, every day uh, for that whole time. Most of the time, at least the first half of it, people thought his name was Patrick Duvall. Uh, so it took us a while before they even got his name right, but mm -hmm. it was a pretty great experience. Cool. So real quick, let's go over what you studied at Vanderbilt and yeah. what your ambitions were sort of coming out of school. Yeah. Uh, I studied, uh, I was an English major. I was a creative writing, English literature major, and I was interested in some parts of school, but not other parts of school. So uh, I was not always the most successful student. Spent some time majoring in bartending and waiting, which was its own kind of education and uh, one I'm really grateful for. Uh, my big thing at Vanderbilt was working on this music festival. A friend of mine and I brought this music festival back that had been on campus uh, in the 80s and 90s and had fallen off. And we decided to make it a thing again, and we caught a big break because we signed an up-and-coming hip-hop artist uh, to be our headliner right before his single became the biggest song in the country, and that was Nelly with the immortal Hot in Here uh, single, and uh, <laughs> we were able to lock him in at a price, uh, and then it blew up, and he, he still came to perform, and that got everybody's attention and helped uh, put our, our little festival back on the map in our community, and it was just a really fun experience of bringing people together around a shared live experience uh, and creating a sense of community at a place where people often felt isolated or separated depending on the fraternity they were a part of or the, the dorm they lived in. So it was uh, just a cool experience to create something that everyone could join into. And uh, coming out of Vanderbilt, I was interested in being a reporter or working in politics. Um, didn't really know how to do either of those things. And I got a job working on John Kerry's presidential campaign um, that led to led to eventually working for Deval Patrick. Um, but that was kind of how I got there, which just knew I wanted to do something different and 
volunteered on a president on a on a campaign. Actually, not we're sitting here in East Boston. Uh, my first campaign experience was about a half mile from here. Uh, John Kerry had an event during the convention in Boston that year on the pier, and I just showed up and volunteered with a guy I know, and I did a good job. I got a call the next day. Can you fly to Kansas City tomorrow and work there for the next week? And I said, yep, done. Uh, and then I hung up and told my parents, and said, are they paying you? I said, I don't know. I didn't even ask. Uh, they buy me a plane ticket to Kansas City, give me a hotel room. That's all. I'll figure the rest out. Live on, live on fast food. Uh, and then I bounced around the country that year. Uh, it was just a really great experience for me to see the country at a time where we were really politically divided, but people were, were trying to take, uh, take their civic responsibility back. That's really cool. I imagine so that that experience you had at, at Vanderbilt gave you a taste of the magic of getting people together in the physical world. It did. It's uh, there's nothing like it. You know, I grew up in Foxborough and I worked at the old Foxborough Stadium, uh, which was a real small, beat up uh, stadium. But uh, my whole life. I had just been around events and the the energy and the adrenaline and seeing what happens when people come together uh, and have that shared experience. It's really powerful and you can't recreate it anywhere else. And so uh, that's what drew me to music. It's what drew me to politics. What drew me to Hub Week. Just just recreating that experience. That's amazing. So let's let's talk a bit about you know you being drawn to Hub Week. Are there were there particular moments when you you eventually um, grew into a chief of staff role mm-hmm. for Governor Deval Patrick. Were there things that you felt you could impact in politics, but also things you identified that you actually could go and as a sort of private citizen entrepreneur that you could you could create some some grassroots movements to um, spark the sort of change that you were you were aiming for? Absolutely. Working in government, I'd never planned on working in government. Uh, it was a, a really powerful experience. I'm, I'm so lucky to have done it, and I, I am so grateful and excited every time I hear of other people, and especially smart people who want to work in government, uh, and we can do so much good. But especially in the governor's office, ironically, while it's a very powerful office, you often feel powerless. You know, you're reacting to things, you're, you're launching some things, but you don't have the time or the bandwidth to see things through. We talk about how we mm-hmm. we launch planes and we land planes here, but we don't fly them in between. Right? We're getting initiatives started or we're fixing problems, but we're not getting to see the the in between stuff. Uh, and so, when we when a governor's second term ended, and and I was trying to think about what I wanted to do next, uh, started talking to people about Hub Week, and it was just really appealing this opportunity to be uh, more directly involved with creating the change that we had been working on in the governor's office. And it really was a continuation. I mean, one of the things that, that Duvall did was get this region to start looking outward more. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of is we brought in 12 or 14 new direct international flights to Boston during Governor Patrick's term. Uh, and that's really important because that shows that the business community sees the value in Boston from around the world. Mm-hmm. As we're getting direct flights from Beijing and from Tokyo and from Tel Aviv and Istanbul and Panama City, and that just brings uh, a different perspective into our region. And that was really exciting, and that was really a natural progression to Hub Week, where uh, the point of Hub Week uh, is to change the narrative of the city of Boston and to help people connect to the innovation and creativity that's going on in the city. And so much of that is around people who are new to our city. Uh, who are going to be here for two years or four years or their their lifetime, but uh, 
they're coming here because they know this is a smart place, they have a research grant, or they're getting their graduate degree, or they're studying uh, at one of the museums, and they're looking to connect with the rest of the community, and we need to build a civic infrastructure here to help those people connect to each other and to connect to everybody else. And, and so really it felt like a natural progression from what we're doing in the governor's office uh, to Hub Week, and to be able to do that at a small startup nonprofit felt like I was having a bigger impact uh, personally every day, or a different kind of impact than I was having in the governor's office. Cool. So that that's that's an interesting pers- um, part part of your perspective where you're making it uh, trying to make it easier for folks to both come to Boston from international cities um, and also acclimate to the city. What about? Folks from Massachusetts or adjacent or, or just within the Northeast, but let's just focus on Massachusetts. What about the suburbs? What about the, which I would call like almost the forgotten suburbs? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, from a, from a media standpoint and from an infrastructure standpoint, you only have to go outside the 128 corridor, and it seems like there's a complete disconnect between communities and Boston, and is Hub Week working to address that? And if so, how? Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think there's a. Yeah, you know, I, I tell this story when I was chief of staff. I had a meeting at MIT, and I went over there, and I got totally lost. I had no idea where to go. I felt out of place. Felt like a total imposter. And I remember standing there thinking, I have this really fancy business card in my pocket that says I'm the chief of staff of the governor. And I feel like I don't belong here. How would I have felt 10 years ago as a kid from Foxborough? How would I feel if I didn't have, like, how mm-hmm. overwhelming that must feel? And then when I got to my meeting and my subsequent work from at MIT, I can't imagine a more welcoming mm-hmm. community and group of people. Everyone I've worked with there has been, has just helped me be a better person and realize my potential. But I needed some connection. I needed some, some boost to, to make that. And I think... That's what we're trying to do with Hub Week is uh, break down the the barriers between the niche communities that already exist physically, physical communities, uh, academic communities, uh, business communities. Um, it's it's possible to go deep in those communities if you're already a member of them here, but it can be hard to crack through and to break through into that. And so we're trying to model that behavior. Uh, we're trying to make it easier for people to connect to the innovation and creative economy. And yeah, that can be somebody who just relocated here uh, from a company based in Hong Kong, or that could be somebody who grew up uh, in Taunton and felt like they might as well have been in Hong Kong as, in terms of connecting to MIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. More people than you would ever expect feel that way in Boston. Uh, that's that's the the problem. The exciting part is that so many people want to change that and are willing to change that and are willing to put their time and energy and resources into changing that uh, on a one-on-one level. And so we're just trying to give support and voice to those people and, and help as many people as possible make that change happen. Mm-hmm. That's great. How, how do you market to those communities? Uh, you know, the, the thing we've tried... 
the most effective way is to find partner organizations mm -hmm. in those communities, like in those geographic communities or in those however communities defined, uh, and work with the people who are already doing things. And one thing in Boston, there are a lot of people in the Boston area, a lot of people, a lot of organizations doing a lot of great things. And a, a principle that we have at Hub Week is we don't need to exist just to exist, and we don't need to recreate the wheel. So when we look at something like that, that problem, the first thing we do is see who's already working in that space and where is there a gap and is that a gap that Hub Week can help solve? Can we marshal our resources and our network and, and the backing of Harvard and MIT and MGH and the Boston Globe to solve that problem and try to fit in? And if we can't directly, we can always provide platform and voice, uh, but maybe we can provide a programmatic fix. So that's how we get in there. We, yeah. we find people already doing the work. Um, yeah. There are there's already someone doing almost, trying to solve almost every problem in this region. So uh, that's been the secret to our success is finding those people and then figuring out how can we work with them where we bring our strengths and they bring their strengths and, and together we're stronger. Yeah, that's great. You sort of co-opt co the, the audience of organizations or chambers of commerce mm -hmm. around around the state. I had a, I had a moment recently, my, I had a Lyft driver, I came back from a New York business trip, got back to needed a ride back to my house in Winthrop and he's from Lowell and I'm from Methuen, my wife's from Lawrence. He's one of nine kids. He said he's been working since he's 12 years old. He's about 23. Got to talking about my career and technology and he said, and he said something that's kind of going to line up with, with something you said a little, little ways back. He said, Boston may as well be the other side of the country. He's like, I feel like my opportunity has passed for me to seek employment in, in, in that innovation technology economy. And the first thing I did was I said, no, you actually absolutely have a chance. I'll tell you some things right now. Second thing I did was I gave him my number and since texted with him and I told him about Boston Speaks Up. And I said, I got a, I got a podcast which is yeah. at least trying to address this. I'm like, you should check out Hub Week. Like yeah. there's things out, check out Resilient Coders. There's free programs that teach you skills, partner with organizations like Microsoft to employ you. There's there's a lot of things. But what my takeaway was, you only know what you know, and who's marketing to the families in Lowell and the families in the Merrimack Valley. Uh, so it's something I have chatted with about. And I know there's some there's some groups. There's like there's a Merrimack Valley uh, innovation organization. There's Inno North mm -hmm. that Mayor Driscoll started in Beverly and Salem. Looking to talk to them soon too, so it seems that those are the natural organization partnerships that would make sense for Boston Speaks Up and for Hub Week to just get the word out, because actually a lot of the inspired inspired um, inspired confidence uh, that 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 folks need is is there for the the taking, and I find there to be sort of a, a gap in marketing. And just a gap in informing people like, hey, the gig economy exists and Lyft and Uber jobs, you know, Lyft and Uber do a great job of marketing the availability of driving to Uber and Lyft to everyone in mass. Yeah. But there's plenty more resources available to people. And it's just really comes down to communicating those resources and communicating that community and that welcoming nature of MIT and so so on and so forth to people that are very close, but feel so far away from Boston innovation. And, and that's something that I'm just 
kind of double clicking on here with you and just curious if that's a fair assessment of the state of things and and is mark and, and then therefore it comes down to marketing yeah i think it comes down to you know it comes down to mindset and being purposeful about that you know to, to uh marketing yourself in a way that's welcoming and inviting uh to know what you don't know uh when it comes to you know in terms of marketing to different communities or people from different backgrounds or experiences uh we found that we work with the people who you're who you think you're trying to reach and let them you know, give us feedback on how we present things. We, we've gotten feedback on some of our marketing materials that it, uh, it feels too corporate or it feels too slick. And I don't, I don't think this is for me. It makes me laugh because we're a really small team. And, uh, uh, if they could see behind how the sausage was made, uh, it wouldn't look corporate at all, but, uh, it is really valuable to hear. And it was, we had thought we were really doing a good job of being inclusive and, and welcoming. Uh, but some of the, the little things that we were doing in terms of, photo selection or language were actually sending cues to people that this wasn't for them. And I think maybe alienating. Yeah. yeah. It just, it, you know, people pick up on things. And so, uh, just having that humility too, to, to know that we have an idea. We think we know what we're trying to, we know what we're trying to do. We think we know how to do it, but we have to be getting feedback from people and be willing to revisit the decisions we've made or how we're presenting information and, uh, be open to some constructive direction from folks to, to do a better job at that. And that's just an ongoing process. I think there's, it's really just about being purposeful about it. You know, it's not going to happen by accident. We're not going to really just accidentally connect with people who feel disconnected. We really have to, to be purposeful about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One, one of your, that, that reminds me of one of your one-word answers with regards to the future of Hub Week. Mm -hmm. You guys are coming up on... This will be our fifth, fifth festival. Yeah. Fifth festival. And I believe you mentioned sort of simplifying yeah. things. You want to talk about that more? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of startups start really small and try to get big. Hub Week started really big, <laughs> and we've been trying not necessarily to get small, but to, to get focused. Focus. And, and uh, you know, we started with this big mission of changing the narrative of Boston and, and being a place where you could connect with the leading innovators and uh, creative people from around our region and around the world. And that's that's great. We also started with a really small staff, uh, and in the first year, we realized we just tapped into this well of energy in the city where people wanted to be a part of Hub Week. Companies, organizations, they wanted to host events. They wanted, it, it was overwhelming. It was really powerful. So we had 100 events our first year um, with a staff of three, and, and we produced three of those, staff of four. We, had a, we produced three of those events. Uh, it's, it's a godsend, but we've, we have too much during our fall festival. There are too many different events. There are too many different locations. It's still not clear to everybody where they belong at Hub Week. Um, but the, the feedback we get from people is that they love the Hub Week that they experience. They love all the Hub Week content they consume. The biggest criticism or biggest pain point is that they want, to, they want it to be easier to consume more Hub Week content. So we're in this process of making things simpler and easier for people to find. So it's not overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, people should be able to see where you know, Hub Week Hub Week is really a mindset-based conference. It is, if you are, if you're trying to change the world, if you're trying to do something big in art, science, or technology, Hub Week is a place for you. And that cuts across your uh, demographic information. It cuts across where you live, where you are in your career. It, it's really that mindset. Um, and we need to do, we need to keep getting better at, at making that clear and simple so that people can 
plug into that. You know, what we're trying to do mm-hmm. is cre- bring together these amazing people who are doing mind-blowing things, get them to connect with each other, and then we get out of the way. Right? Like, we, we're, we should be, you know, we're at our best when you're not noticing the, the event structure itself. Um, and so that's our, our approach for Hub Week this year. The, the team is probably already sick of hearing me saying mm-hmm. it. It's just refine, focus, simplify. Just, just make it all. We already have all the, the resources. We have all the content. We have all the ingredients. We just need to make it really clear and simple. And that's a, it's a challenge in the community building side. It's also just a fun, interesting entrepreneurial challenge. You know, how do you, how do you translate what you're trying to do to the, the audience you're trying to reach? So it's a couple things. One, it's definitely important to re-communicate your simple intentions over and over. I always tell that to the folks I work with, like some of the younger people I work with. Like, hey, listen, if you over-communicate with the right intentions, it's fine. And actually, you should. So I imagine, um, and your team probably appreciates that you're consistently advocating for this the same sort of you know intentional focus of simplifying things and making it easier for people to know the lane through which they should experience Hub Week. Um, I actually have thought about this a few times because one of the ideas that I'll even run by you live is the idea of looking at the different sort of figures that will headline Hub Week in arts in the arts or in uh, or technology and highlighting them through a podcast ahead of time and so people can consume and gravitate toward their lane and then be fed the you know be in a funnel where they are fed information that sort of follows on and then provides the physical world experience that they've been exposed to so kind of exposing the breadth of hub week such that you then can sit, take away and say, well, of those five people I just learned from over the last couple months, I really want to, like, these two really resonated with me. And therefore, and then, and then having some sort of feedback loop with Hub Week to ensure that you're at the right place at the right time to get more of that when the, when the actual festival begins. That, that's exactly I say all the time, I, I wish people could come with me on my, my daily hub week job because it's constantly meeting someone who is smarter cooler more interesting than you are and then the person you just met it's just it's it's awesome and uh what we're trying to do is tell those people stories and let them tell their story and let them connect with each other and let them connect with people who have something to offer but but need that inspiration and so uh, having it we would love to, to partner with that. Yeah. You know, go back to that yeah. that way we approach things, where we're not trying to recreate the wheel. So there's already Boston Speaks Up, which is this really incredible uh, platform and idea for sharing these kind of stories. And so for Hub Week, how can we connect our community to what you're doing, so that you can do what you do well, which is tell these stories? And I I say it to people all the time. I'll put that challenge out to anyone who, mm-hmm. who listens to this. Like people, we're always looking for for partners who can help us tell those stories, and we have no pride of ownership or authorship we are not uh we're not a for-profit entity uh this is not a a hub week is not uh making money for anybody uh it's it's really investment in the community and so anyone who's able to help contribute that we welcome that we last year at hub week we had a media stage uh, and one afternoon we we opened it up to local podcasters where we had all the equipment come in record your podcast bring your guests we can connect you to a guest we'll also have a live audience so it's an opportunity for you to reach more people 
uh, and it serves our goal of telling a story because mm-hmm. they they were coming and, and highlighting their interesting people. So uh, we've we've been talking a lot about that. We have probably done about 150 interviews for our newsletter with interesting people, mm-hmm. and how do we tell those people's stories again? Like what what could we have? We built this amazing uh, this amazing pool of uh, stories of interesting people that we need to do a better job of sharing with the community. Yeah, that's really cool. I was I was new back to Boston last year. I moved back in the summer. It was a little little late to the to the twenty eighteen Hub Week, so didn't get to participate in any programming necessarily. Although mm-hmm. I'd like to this year, um, but did check out the event and I I thought it was really innovative what you did. Sort of reminded me of like the Super Bowl, like Radio Row. Yeah, I don't know, if, like the 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 idea around y- you've created this magnet that's bringing in tons of interesting people and so much that you could make it really simple for storytellers to capture and share from the event just makes makes a lot of sense so more of that and i'd I'd love to participate in that moving forward there are it's there's so many interesting stories and we're talking about this before we started the podcast uh the process of doing that lets you see that boston looks a lot different than it looks like in a uh, in a ben affleck movie yeah we all love Ben Affleck movies, but it's it's more than than the stereotype or the, yeah. the popular culture representation of the city. We're, we're so much more dynamic uh, and diverse and uh, and exciting than I think we get credit for, or give ourselves credit for. Yeah, could couldn't agree more. We we tend to lean on our uh, our sports fandom, and it's a great sports city. We are we sh- we we shouldn't simply define ourselves based on now six Super Bowl champions like. You know, rabid fan base, like very you know loyal, um, engaged fans in sports. Like sports seems to like have an overwhelming um, is overwhelmingly associated with Bostonians, uh, be, and and sometimes also just being uh, hostile is a word that actually comes yeah. to mind. Where I, I was living in Los Angeles, and my my natural de- demeanor in a, in a situation, the natural manner in which I was candidly providing feedback was was uh, defined as as hostile and I had like another person from like Phil- it wasn't from Boston or from like Philly and like oh no he's just from he- Zach's from Boston like that's he just gets right to the point he's just he's like actually he's trying to do you a favor yeah like he's not trying to sugarcoat it yeah like he's just telling you the truth and it's like yeah no nothing personal I'm just telling you the truth and it's it's interesting though like when I was out in Los Angeles I I met so many people are like, oh, Boston, like, what a bunch of like, what a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, yeah. like, and, and it was like really, it would really annoy me, and it still does. And so coming back, that's why I'm like, all right, there's, and there's been ton, tons of production around Hub Week, and I, I totally get it, but there only can, there only can and should be more storytelling and different types of media produced around something like a Hub Week and just the the community in general because. The, the good, inspiring, creative people in Boston are much more plentiful than we give ourselves credit for, and then we produce media around. It, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's there are a lot of knuckleheads in Boston, right? And this this came up. Michael Shea called Boston a racist city, and, and people got really defensive around it. And uh, there's a lot of truth to what he said. Uh, historically, there's a lot of truth to what he said. Present day, there's a lot of truth to what he said. Um, and acknowledging that. Um, is an important part of 
addressing it and fixing it. And I think we have to be comfortable acknowledging some of the realities of what goes on in the city and how we are as a community, but also recognize that it doesn't have to define us. Um, and, you know, I've, my, my takeaway from four years of Hub Week is that it's not that Boston is slow to change. It's that Boston is slow to recognize how it's changed and when it's changed. And I think that's it. This city has changed so much. We, it's what we do. It's, it is fundamental to, to this region is change, right? We uh, are a region built on waves of immigrants. We are at the, been at the forefront of leading social change movements throughout the history of our country. Uh, it, it is what we're constantly reinventing ourselves. Every fall, we get an influx of students from around the world to recapitalize our city, right? We're constantly, you got this, this influx of new ideas and new people and change. And uh, we, we have changed dramatically in the past 10 or 15 years in ways that need to be celebrated and recognized. And we need to do a better job telling that story and also acknowledge that we're not there yet. And mm -hmm. there are elements that, that need more change and need more work. And um, I think that's the thing people, it, it's a hard thing to get my mind around. I, I think it's a hard thing for us as a community to get our mind around that uh, we've come a long way on some fronts. We still have a long way to go. And, I think telling the positive stories of what the city is really like right now is a solution to both. Mm -hmm. I think it, it supports the people who are trying to do things differently. The more they see those stories told, they know they're not the only ones. Mm -hmm. They know that that's a, I hear that so often from people as we do how we planning, they want a lot of the things you're describing. They want that kind of change. They're trying to do that, but sometimes they worry or wonder how many more people there are like them. And I just jump out of my seat in these meetings. Like, there is no they. There is no they out there telling us that we can't do this. It's mm -hmm. it's all people like this who who want. There's a lot of power in that. And so for Hub Week, that's that's we see one of our big values. Can we just recognize that? Can we be a place that plants the flag for people who are trying to do that? Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel that way. Come tell your story at Hub Week. Connect with other people like that. See how big that community of Boston is. It's it's much it's much larger amazing. than the the community that's defined by knuckleheads and racists. Yeah, no, yeah, and a good test for anyone listening is just whatever your social platform of choice is. Just like speak candidly and openly out on that social, you know, megaphone that we all can use, and tell your your network of of followers. On Twitter or friends on Facebook hey like this is a creative pursuit of mine and I want to tell to other people out there who are pursuing pursuing something creatively just fill in the blank uh, here's a startup idea of mine and I want to talk to other people who have tried startup ideas because that's what essentially I've done here with Boston Speaks Up I'm but one person and and the insane amount of people that I have been introduced to that have reached out I don't have enough time to meet everyone. And to your to your point earlier, Brendan, one of the things I love most about certainly in part of my job is, is just networking and meeting people. And, and I'm a storyteller, and that's why we're sitting here doing this podcast. How fortunate a life is it that I get to sit down and 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 meet Brendan Ryan today, and 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 learn about. And learn about your past, and then, and then, and 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 also all that you're seeking to do in the future, and then share that with the world, and then, then, then after this, God knows how many more people are going to reach out. So, if if everyone just continues to be inspired, and and if if new people continue to be inspired to like say, oh wow, let me try that myself, 
that's when we start having these like continued sort of like cascading effects and that's that's what's like exciting to me i mean at the end of the day i want my daughter to be proud of me so like i'm out here meeting like inspiring people and 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 while doing it i think actually that will cause like positive ripple effects so yeah that that feels good. Like, <laughs> and, that's, and that's that's what so many. That's most of the people are. You know, they're trying to make a better life for themselves and, and make the world a little bit better for their kids. Uh, and that's that's what defines most of the people I work with in Boston. Uh, they do that in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different industries, a lot of different fields. But they they see their work as just trying to make the world a better place, trying to solve a small problem or a big problem, a local problem problem or a global one. They're they're just trying to to do their part, make it a little better, and that's. That's a great thing to be a part of. Yeah, and so like sort of along those the lines of why we both do this. You're a father. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine I can't answer a question of why I do anything in my life without talking about my daughter because that like she's my north star. Um, so your father, you have two, you have two kids. I have two kids. Yeah. And how do they play into like your purposeful mission that you're on at Hub Week? Uh, well, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think Duvall used to talk about generational responsibility, and we, we were talking before. You know, we were talking about. Uh, yeah, I think about my kid, but also your parents, right? And I, sure. I think about what uh, what my parents, my grandparents did to create all this life and opportunity mm-hmm. for me, and and the world that they built, uh, the way they made the world a better place, and and I view that as you know, my goal is to try to be to do as as much for my kids as my my parents and grandparents uh, were able to do for me. And I think that's, it's hard to, to think about the work you're right without separating it from that, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, uh, really trying to live up to your kids. You know, you, you see in your kids so much potential and talent and uh, all these things that they're capable of and just try to do a, a good enough job to give them the world that they deserve and the opportunities that they deserve. Um, and a lot of that is around, a, a, you know, a community that is welcoming and inclusive and uh, and dynamic and recognizes people's value and, and lets people realize their full potential. So uh, that, you know, we talk a lot about my kids when I think about this work because mm-hmm. that's, that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great, it's great to be able to do that and, and to think about that every day. How old are they? Uh, I have, my son is seven years old and uh, my daughter is about two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, born in December. Thank you. I'm curious how much Hub Week can dip into and impact like youth and maybe youth being 12, 13 mm-hmm. to 18 year olds. Yeah, well, we've, we've done a bunch of different things of that. We've, we've done a program at the Boston Public Schools uh, two years in a row. This past year, we really expanded it uh, where we worked with our industry partners, uh, folks like Microsoft or Vertex, mm-hmm. uh, and work with them and the BPS to develop uh, programs for Boston Public School teachers so that they could get uh, access to and educated on some of the latest technologies that these companies are working with so they can bring that back into the classroom mm. and and almost like in a professional development Is sense. this sort of like Bo- like Boston teacher residency? It's, it's it's similar. It was with the same yeah. group that did yeah. that and, okay. and just trying to, you know, again, bridge those gaps that I think one of the ways we can do it is just to expose people to what's happening and what is out there. And, the mo- and like the tech-driven Boston labor market, specifically within the walls of a Microsoft, here's what we're doing now, and then transferring that knowledge into the teachers and therefore into the class. 
Right, right, because the the traditional way that that kind of information gets into the education curriculum takes uh, a longer period of time for for good reason, but uh, take some of these opportunities to shortcut that and to to give them more up-to-date knowledge. Um, That helps the teachers understand better what's going on. That helps them create a sense of opportunity for their students, including bringing that technology into the classroom so the students can really imagine themselves there. Uh, and see themselves as a scientist at Vertex or, or as an engineer at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way. I think we've had a, we've had a robot block party each of the past two years, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a lot of cool robotics companies in the city right now, and uh, we've held it on a Sunday. It's been aimed at children, and my, my son loves it. Uh, he's way into robotics uh, and coding and, and doesn't think of it as robotics and coding. It's just... You know, Minecraft is is prevalent for a seven year old boy, but like thinking about how to design virtual worlds or how to make uh, technology do what he wants it to do—that's just his life. Um, and so, the way I would play with baseball cards, he now can play with these coding blocks to understand, put things in this sequence to get the robot to do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's been really interesting how he doesn't differentiate that from not school. That's just that is just his reality. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting work on that stuff happening in Boston. So just sharing that and getting that out there, um, it's been really exciting and working with a cool. cohort of Boston public school students who are really amazing and give me great hope for the future. Every time I talk to one of them, they're, they are light years ahead of, of all of us. Um, and it's really encouraging. That's cool. So sort of off that, talking about youth, leads me to, to think a lot about the future. I asked you a question uh, in, in the Q&A that preceded this interview, and it was sort of, what what does the future of Boston hold? And I think you said what we make of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can make of it? Um, I'm hopeful that we can, we can make it reflect the city we want it to be. You know, we, uh, this, I think some we've talked a lot about a lot this afternoon that uh, there's not a lot of people, there's not necessarily going to be a lot of permission in Boston. But there's not as much opposition as we think either. And if we see a problem that we want to solve or we see a new reality we want to create in the city, we just have to do it. And if you just start it, it's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork and support you and join your effort or might have been thinking about the same thing or wanting to do the same thing. Um, so I think that the future is entirely up to us to write. You know, this city can be, there's no reason we can't solve the transportation issues. There's no reason we can't uh, close the the uh, education gap in the city, uh, the achievement gap between students of social, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Like, it's a huge problem. We can solve it if we decide that's the problem we want to solve. And if people just start doing it and, and start attacking it and, and find uh but people who are, you know, working on like causes and, and find ways to work together. I think as long as, as we do that, it will be be what we make of it. And if we don't, if we accept the status quo, if we accept that there's going to be achievement gap, if we accept that uh, it's going to take 90 minutes to get across the city at rush hour, that will be the reality. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's I don't think there's a predestiny for the city one way or the other. I'm really encouraged by the trend that we're on and the leadership that we have and. Uh, the people who are stepping up in the city right now. Um, and I uh, think an important thing we can do is support those people who mm-hmm. are doing the things that we say we want people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
provide some positive reinforcement because that's how it's going to keep going. But I, I just feel really optimistic that uh, every problem in front of us is solvable if we, if we're committed to it and, and if good people and smart people just keep working at it. Uh, and that's, that's the solution as I see it. Who are some of the civic leaders today in Boston that you're particularly drawn to or, or sparking your work, working on initiatives with? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's a whole cohort of leadership in this city right now uh, that is emerging or has emerged, and, and uh, it's people who are doing things like our, our mutual friend Josh Trotwine at the Fresh Truck, uh, it's people like Michelle Wu, the city councilor. Marty Walsh, the mayor, is doing a great job with this. Um, there's a new generation of leaders at places like uh, the New England Venture Capital Association, Jody Rose, Jesse Mermel, who runs the Alliance for Business Leadership. Um, you know, I, I'm hesitant to start naming names because mm -hmm. I'm going to forget people, but there are so many people who are stepping up and taking a leadership role on so many important issues that... Uh, it's so encouraging and so exciting, and it. I have felt the, a change. I've seen a change, even just in the four years of Hub Week. Uh, we're living through a generational change of leadership in the city right now. It's really exciting. That's cool. It, it, uh, you mentioned Josh Trotween, mutual uh, friend of ours. He's someone I played soccer with way back in the day, um, and as I was playing soccer with him, I realized, well, number one, this dude's really smart and he can do anything. I think you said this before we went live. Like he, could, if he was in Silicon Valley, like you know, he would have created like an Instagram or something, like some like super popular app. Um, but instead, back when I first met him, he created Soccer One, and he was in. After Haiti was devastated, he was in Haiti, bringing uh, using soccer as a rally rallying cry to bring a bunch of displaced children into one place help get them the treatment that they needed. Um, he's just always coming up with like really um, big ideas to solve sort of massive problems and, and what he's doing right now with Fresh Truck to bring, um, provide food access, healthy food access to all communities is is really noble. Uh, and, and I can, and, and the reason I sort of double click on him is you you alluded to this, but I know this actually was we played phone tag last night, Josh and I. I owe you a call, Josh. I'll give you a call this weekend. Um, I know he's really leveraged Hub Week over the last four and a half years, uh, in the last last couple of years in particular. I know he's really leveraged the Hub Week community to really grow um, grow Fresh Truck and and find the right like minds and partners that could help him accelerate the the mission that he's on. So that's that's really cool. I imagine there's a lot of lot, lot more stories like that. Yeah, no, and it's he, I, he's a great example of it because it's it it's hard to classify what he does. It's social impact. It's also technology, right? He had to retrofit that school bus to fit as much fresh food on there, including produce and and dairy and meat, but have it all still fit in a school bus and yeah. move around. The, and that was a whole engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, Challenge and refrigeration shelf yeah. life, like what's the right amount to have? And then he's working with yeah. uh, the insurance companies and the hospitals to get doctors to be able to write prescriptions that are going to be covered so that yeah. uh, uh, patients can get their vegetables covered by health they can insurance. Get the card so it's subsidized. They yeah. know that you know if they're eating healthier, they're going to have yeah. healthier outcomes. So it's it's just it's a really epitomizes all the different things that go into to solving these problems in Boston. That what it's defines complex. it the most is that it's defined simply by 
by making people's lives better. How do how do we help people get access to the things that will make them healthier uh, and have a better life? And started with that simple thing. It involves science and technology and policy and uh, entrepreneurship and all those things. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a really simple thing about making solving a, a big problem, but a local problem, uh, and make people's lives better. It's really it's exciting and inspiring. And there are I mean, there aren't a lot of people like Josh, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of people in the city who are trying to do things like that. It's really exciting. That's cool. Uh, you mentioned policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there more politics in your future? Um, I don't know. Probably not. It's a uh, politics is young man's game, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I had a, a pretty great job. But I think uh, you know there are a lot of different ways to to improve your community and politics and government was a great way for me to do that for a while and now Hub Week is and um, you know there are a lot of a lot of my friends who I hope run for office someday and I'd be happy to go work on their campaigns or work for them mm-hmm. when they get elected mm-hmm. um, but right now I think uh, I'm having fun and feel like I'm having an impact with Hub Week I've been trying it from a different angle that's great is there anything else that we haven't covered just with regards to Hub Week and coming up on the the fifth year uh, anniversary this year that you'd like to share with the Boston community? You know, I think we've covered a lot. I would just, you know, Hub Week is, it's a collaboration. It's, it is uh, it is a collaboration of smart, interesting, creative people. And anybody who wants to be a part of that, anyone who can help us achieve that or, or produce that better, we want you to be a part of it. We, we need you to be a part of it. This is the, the only purpose of Hub Week is to help change the narrative around the city and around innovation and to help people uh, realize their potential around innovation and creativity. So I just constantly, anytime I have an opportunity to, to talk to an audience, if that's you, if you want to be a part of doing that, Hub Week is a, an opportunity. Um, and we hope people see it as that. And we are open to any kind of partnership that, that we need to um, to do some really cool stuff. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm excited for the future because I consider this just but the beginning of the Boston Speaks Up and, and Hub Week partnership. So maybe we'll take things offline. We can talk about it even more. I hope so. This has been <laughs> yeah. great, Zach. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Brendan, thank you very much. Thanks, Boston. Cheers.